0: Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermill biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table.
1: Good Saturday morning and welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table. This is a radio show and podcast created to spotlight the people of our region who produce, preserve, and prepare our regional foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The song that you just heard was sung by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She comes from Madisonville, Tennessee, and uh, she's gotten quite popular. We are setting the table today with craft beer from Tennessee. To round out the annual Summer on Broadway event, on the streets of downtown Miraval, there's an event this evening called Hops in the Hills. This is a celebration of fermentation, where science and agriculture meet and it takes place from 5 until 9. This is a festival with Tennessee beers from all over the state, with over 50 Tennessee brewers and breweries represented. Our guests today are Christine Collins. She's one of the group of people that started this event. And we'll also visit with Ron Downer. Ron is an expert on how to brew beer and is one of the people whose expertise is responsible for the brew formulas for some of our region's most well-known award-winning beers from both Calhoun's and Blackberry Farm. Ron is also one of the judges for the Hops in the Hills Brew Competition during the festival this evening. Plus, Mary Constantine shares the recipe with us for grit and sorghum ice cream by way of Chef Edward Lee. And Ronnie Lundy. Thank you so much for your good company here today. I really appreciate you tuning in. Now let's get started. We first visit with Christine Collins. Christine is part of the original board of directors who created the event Hops in the Hills. This is a passionate not-for-profit group of people whose emphasis is to showcase Tennessee brewing, agriculture, and regional economy details about the festival hops in the hills what's the whole idea behind this whole big event
2: a uh, small beer festival basically it's a celebration of fermentation and that's the kind of the tagline that we've we've started with and the whole reason behind it is to really cull the interest and and the fanaticism behind craft beer and put it toward you know a fun event that we can have here in maribel that would be Extremely local to us, and along with that, bring in local breweries and make it very much Tennessee-centric, which is something that we haven't seen at other brewery festivals. Mm-hmm. So, really, that—that's the idea behind it, and the whole reason why we wanted to to make this one specific to our area. I mean, everyone here in East Tennessee, I think, has a little bit bigger tie to the land and tied to the area and the community than I've seen in a lot of different places. And so I think that that just goes to show, you know, with all of us getting together and trying to plan this event, that was something that was important to all of us.
1: Absolutely.
2: Well, whenever Fall Festival, you know, finally finished with its last year, I think that was in 2014, there was basically a void left in the social calendar for the community. And this was one of the things that was brought up and, and offered up as an opportunity for us to to produce, you know, a really interesting, fun event for the community that was different than anything we'd ever had done before. So uh, I think that that was, that was part of the reason. Obviously, the craft beer culture has been growing uh, steadily in Tennessee over the last you know, decade or so, and it, this is a way to showcase that.
1: Also, one of your board members, Trent, he is the owner of Hellbender Hops. He really wants people in this area to grow hops absolutely so I mean agriculturally speaking we're not as high in elevation as North Carolina for sure but um, Cascade hops grow real well in this area Mm -hmm. and um, I know that all these regional um, beer makers have told my husband and I because we're thinking about growing them Mm -hmm. um, that they'll buy all we make yeah so but it it is a long-term kind of thing it
2: is and unfortunately I don't think that the yield uh, mm-hmm. is quite large enough right now mm-hmm. to be able to supply, say, a brewery like Yazoo mm-hmm. that is so large uh, with all of their hops. That I don't think that's necessarily the goal, but
3: mm-hmm. uh, definitely
2: to use locally grown ingredients has, has been something I think that's been important to a lot of different breweries in the area. Yeah. Um, I mean, people are using things like sorghum that has been produced in East Tennessee. Uh, they're using fruits and veggies in their beers now, you know, anything from, from carrots to peaches and things like that. Then you've got, you know, different grains that have been produced in the area, uh, along with honey. So uh, there's all kinds of different additives that can go into these beers to flavor them in, in different ways that will, you know, yield in a pretty interesting beer market for sure. Well, Tennessee is so agriculturally rich and has such a long history of that that it only seems right that it would continue into this new sector.
1: And you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table on the radio dial at 89.9 WDVX.com every Saturday or listen to the podcast anytime at TennesseeFarmTable.com. After the short break, we'll continue with our conversation about the celebration of fermentation festival called Hops in the Hills with Christine Collins. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table comes in part from Magpie's Bakery in downtown North Knoxville just one block north of Broadway on North Central Street. Magpie's Bakery can accommodate most budgets and styles from a simple rustic barn dance with pies, cookies, and cupcakes to a country club affair with a custom creation. With a full selection of ready-made designs or they can create custom designs for your special event images of their ready-made designs, and details on custom orders and appointments at magpiescakes.com. Magpies Cakes. All butter, all the time. Let's join back up with Christine Collins with a little more detail about the celebration of fermentation festival called Hops in the Hills. So, Christine, there are a lot of people that have been involved with this board. Could you tell us who all are the driving members of this board of directors that have started this festival?
2: Kim Farmer-Mitchell has been a wonderful godsend to us. She works for Blunt Partnership and has basically... Started the entire event and kind of gotten this motley crew together, and uh, and she's been so supportive and and really our biggest cheerleaders on trying to find ways to really make an impact in the community with this event and make it interesting and fun and and really Kim is really our our driving force and our champion on that one, and then from there um, myself uh, Trent Gilland, uh, who's obviously uh, owner of Hellbender Hops and a good friend and really, again, wants to to draw attention to the craft beer, you know, movement here in East Tennessee. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, we have people like Scott Shanklin, who is just a fan and an aficionado just like myself. Um, He's really worked hard to head up the volunteer committee this year and done an excellent job with that. Um, So, yeah, we've got a great crew of people, um, and we've been able to hopefully uh, exploit everyone's connections and, and make sure that we are able to, to involve as many people as possible um, in the event. It, we really have had a great time with it. Um, it's mm-hmm. odd that you would maybe look forward to uh, going to meetings, but we really do have a great time. <laughs> it is fun.
1: The, the one I attended, oh my goodness, just a, just a great group of people. Yeah, really. Well, and Christine, will you tell us about yourself a little bit? I believe yes. I heard a Maryville College yeah. Connection.
2: Yes, yes, I attended Maryville College. Uh, I moved to Tennessee in 91. I uh, originally grew up in Southern California. And, uh, you know, obviously fell in love with the area. I've got family that's from here uh, that originated in Carpenter's Campground area. So that's all my, all my kin. Oh, and uh, then I've been working for the uh, Aubrey's Restaurant Group for a long long time and really have enjoyed that. Um, I manage for the company and really excited to be on the committee and, and yeah. be able to make an impact.
1: So Christine for this festival how do people find it on Augur? media
2: platforms uh well we've got a twitter handle which is hops in the hills uh just just hops in the hills uh we also have a facebook page it's a hops in the hills craft beer festival uh also easily searchable and then we are hops so all very straightforward
1: and you've been listening to an interview with christine collins board member of the organization that puts on the festival hops in the hills Details about all of our topics and guests can be found at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Just look for the link that says listen to the show. If you've just joined us, you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table radio show and podcast. Broadcasting on the radio waves every Saturday morning from Knoxville, Tennessee at 89.9 FM and streamed live at WDVX.com. You can always listen to this show on your schedule at TennesseeFarmTable.com or check out our podcast on iTunes. Coming up, we've got our interview with Ron Downer, brewmaster and judge for Hops in the Hills. da 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 da
0: da 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 da
1: And now it's In the Kitchen with Mary Constantine, food writer for the Knoxville New Sentinel.
3: When I was little and my mama used to serve us grits, we would always put butter, sugar, and milk in it while she and my dad just used salt and pepper. She would laugh at us and tell us that we were making something called poor man's ice cream. So imagine my surprise when I opened up Ronnie Lundy's new book, Sorghum Saver, to find Chef Edward Lee's recipe for sorghum and grits ice cream. But trust me, there's nothing poor about his dish. Lee is a four-time James Beer nominee for Best Chef Southeast and is the owner of 610 Magnolia and Milkwood, both located in Louisville, Kentucky. When Lundy spoke with him about sorghum, it seemed he was as passionate about the subject as she is recognizing the tiniest of details that can be different in taste, depending on where the sorghum cane is grown and how the sorghum cane is processed. And I love that he's taken a traditional Appalachian ingredient, like grits and sorghum, and is presenting them in a more refined form than that simple bowl of grits with butter and sugar that I once enjoyed. If you'd like to make Lee's sorghum and grits ice cream, all you need is 1 and a half cups of milk, 1 and a half cups of heavy cream, 3⁄4 cups sorghum syrup, plus more for drizzling, a tablespoon of light brown sugar, one large egg, plus one egg yolk, a pinch of sea salt, and a third cup of cooked grits dried and separated. Now, first, what you need to do is cook the grits, and I'm not talking about making quick grits. You need to buy the good stuff, like from Anson Mills, McEwen and Sons, or even our local guy Shelton's Farm, uh, get his grits. Then you cook them per package directions. Rinse with cool water, while they're in a sieve. Shake well and let it drain. Then you pour them out onto a baking sheet, and then you separate the grits with your fingers trying to make them into a single layer. Let them air dry for an hour or so. And you need to come back every once in a while and and separate them again, because as they continue to dry, they'll separate a little easier. So while the grits are drying, you need to pour milk, cream, sorghum, and brown sugar into a saucepan over medium heat, and bring it to a gentle simmer. Stir until the cream mixture is smooth. And then in a separate bowl, whisk together the egg and the egg yolk, which is the pinch of salt. Now slowly pour the warm cream mixture into the egg mixture, stirring continuously until it's well combined. Pour the custard through a fine mesh sieve and then let cool in the refrigerator for a couple of hours. When you're ready to prepare the ice cream, you need to pour that custard into the ice cream maker and freeze according to the manufacturer's instructions. Then right before it's done, take the grits that you've let dry and pour them into the custard just a little bit at a time until they're all mixed into the ice cream. Then pour the custard and grit mixture into another container, place in the freezer for about an hour. When you're ready to eat it, you need to let the ice cream sit out for about 15 minutes before you serve and drizzle with a top of sorghum. This recipe makes about six servings and darling, it will stick to your ribs. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table.
1: Now let's hear from Ron Downer. Ron is an expert on brewing beer, and his formulas are responsible for some of the best-known and award-winning regional beers from places right here, such as Calhoun's and Blackberry Farm. And Ron is also a judge for the Miraville, Tennessee event tonight called Hops in the Hills. Well, we're sitting here because we're talking about this Hops in the Hills event, and you're one of the judges.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am.
1: How did you, a uh, little background here, how did you get involved with this? And how did you get ripped into being a judge for this thing?
4: How far back do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> well, See, you
1: must know a lot about beer.
4: Well, I owned a homebrew supply shop in Knoxville from 1982 to 1997. And during that time, the first craft beer movement was just getting going and they were hiring a lot of homebrewers to be professional brewers in these new breweries because they didn't, there were no brewing schools, maybe one or two in the whole country. And uh, so I had a chance to go professional, and I was the first brewer at Calhoun's Barbecue and Brew on Bearden Hill in 1994. And then I left there in 1997 to plan and build a microbrewery in Sevierville. Really? Called Rocky River Brewing Company.
1: Oh, wow.
4: And. Uh, Rocky River Brewing Company was the largest and nicest brewery in Tennessee at the time. And uh, uh, when it opened in 1998, that's when it opened, we, uh, during the first four years of Rocky River, we won uh, two gold medals, a silver medal, and a bronze medal at the Great American Beer Festival and a bronze at the World Beer Cup. But, and So we had some really good beers. Yeah. But that was back in the days when you had to explain to everybody what a certain beer style was, like nobody knew what a porter was, mm-hmm. everybody knew what a stout was but because of Guinness, but nobody knew what porters were, or nobody had a, a German loggers coming in, the, and uh, so, but we, uh, the owners had never planned uh, to bottle the product, and we found out too late that... Uh, there was not enough draft beer business in Tennessee at that time to support a brewery. Mm -hmm. So in 2004 it closed.
1: Okay.
4: I was in retirement for about seven years and then in 2011 I began working as brewmaster at the Blackberry Farm. Yeah. When uh, we put in a half barrel system and we really did pilot brews on uh, that for the uh and we did Belgiums, all Belgium style beers. Oh, in, at Blackberry. In Blackberry. And that's where we developed the recipes for the beers that they have now. And uh, uh-huh. but uh I left there in two thousand fourteen. Just before my classic Cesan won a gold medal at the National Good Food Association and awards in uh San Francisco. So Boy, I, I didn't get to go to San Francisco to accept the award. <laughs> And oh, the new brewer did <laughs> but anyway
1: but you were the the man behind the plan weren't
4: I, you yes i was it was my beer at once so that is proud of that
1: saying something mm-hmm. well so i have a little question you're talking about the homebrew place you ran yeah. was that down in vestal
4: no where was the, it located it was located on ball camp pike right off of western avenue okay out in that area of yeah. town yeah and uh, it was really, is a it was a pretty large place we had. It was a 50 by 12 foot building. Boy, out that's behind big... the house. Oh. And well, we were out of room there. We had a lot of mail order business, and this was back before the internet, so.
1: Oh my goodness.
4: We shipped out a lot of stuff. And uh, like that, I said, that's where I learned all my brewing, out on the deck of the brew house.
1: <laughs> is that where you got your training?
4: Basically, yes, it was uh, Uh self-training. You know, Uh learning on the job, trying out different recipes, and then of course I went to homebrew competitions and uh, went there. They had back then they had the then homebrewers conference in in Boulder, Colorado, and then they switched it to Denver, and they gave the first test for judges in Denver. I think around 1982, 83 and I took that first test and became a recognized judge and then through the years, judged at enough competitions, got enough points to get up to national judge and so that's basically how I got into this because Uh they were looking for somebody to judge these beers and uh, they knew me (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I've asked two other Local home brewers, one of them lives here in uh, Maryville, another lives in Nosau, and they're going to help me out on Saturday.
1: Oh good.
4: so well now we have three judges judging each beer.
1: What's your criteria?
4: Well we're using the standards, the criteria set out by the Brewers Association yeah. in Denver, and uh, yeah. theirs are designed for commercial breweries, mm-hmm. and so they're they're a little looser, I would say, in a little. Not quite as uh, stringent as the ones put out by the Beer Judge Certification Program. Mm. Theirs are put out for homebrew competitions. And uh, Mm -hmm. I just happen to have one of their judging sheets. Uh, They judge on... We're going to use this same judging sheet from the BJCP this Saturday, even though it's a commercial beer competition. Uh It's a 50-point possible score. Nobody ever gets 50, though. And they're judging on... Aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, and overall impression.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, from that, we will, uh, every judge will judge independently. And no comparing notes during the judging. And then after each beer is judged, each if each judge is not within seven points, then we'll have to retaste the beer and adjust the scores so that we're at least within seven points of each other. I see. And then we will go through and we'll pick out the three highest scores, and from that, the best to show, and that'll be the winner.
1: <laughs> well, it, it seems to me that we're really fortunate here in Maryville to have you be in a part of Hops in the Hills and Drudge in So,
4: Thank you. Uh, yeah, this is my first time mm-hmm. to judge for this because in the price, they've always done uh, the popular judging for everybody that goes to – festival picks out the beer they like the best and that's the way they've done it so far but that's not always the best way because i don't know back back when in the early days of the great american beer festival in denver they had uh, popular judging like that and uh, sam adams won a lot of medals because they sent women in tank tops and short shorts out on the floor of the festival and gave out free hats And said, "Please vote for Sam Adams." So,
1: (laughs) not really. um. Yeah, you can buy you can buy votes that way. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not such a great way to really. Uh -uh. That's not a Consumer Reports.
4: No. (laughs) Type. So this way, we won't know who uh, we're judging. Mm -hmm. We will know what kind of style of beer we're judging, but we won't know who made it. Mm, So it's completely. uh, anonymous and we uh since we're not prejudiced because we don't know who brewed it we can speak our minds that's, that's right a lot, a, lot, a lot of notes on here and wind up giving them a score we won't give them too bad a score but <laughs> 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 we never give anybody below i think 10 or mm-hmm. 13 that's problematic when you get down there it's just
2: probably something
4: really bad it. with the beer yeah <laughs> and just like, they know by the
1: You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and if you've just joined us, you've been listening to a conversation with Ron Downer, brewmaster. If you'd like to get in touch with Ron, just drop me a line at tennesseefarmtable.com, and I'll pass the word on for him. We want to say thank you so much for your great company here today at the Tennessee Farm Table. We hope that you can join us again right back here next week at 9 or online at tennesseefarmtable.com. Our theme song was written by myself, Amy Campbell, and beautifully performed by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. More information about Emmy Sunshine at theemmysunshine.com. That's spelled T-H-E-E-M-I-sunshine.com. We want to say thank you to WDVX for bringing to you pure community broadcasting, just like this show. They are our media partner, and we couldn't do this without them. More information at WDVX.com. We'd love to invite you to connect with us on Twitter and Facebook at TennesseeFarmTable.com and check out our podcast on your smartphone, tablet, or computer, or on iTunes. Or just search for Tennessee Farm Table. A big list of all of our shows will appear. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.